I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. David Center's one-timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, how about a little trivia to start off the show tonight? Giroux battling with Philpola from his knees trying to make a play. Philpola's stick caught up in Giroux's midsection. No call either way. Medvedev battling to get that puck. Didn't come up with it. And now it's Garrison. Garrison with the game on his stick. Score! Well, there's a little bit from October 8th, 2015. Who scored the first three-on-three overtime goal in NHL history. The answer to that trivia question is Jason Garrison, who today has signed a professional tryout contract with the Edmonton Oilers. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio, 630 Chat, and I'm pleased to be joined on the line by Jason Garrison. Jason, thanks for making time for me today. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, no problem at all. Well, I thought I'd have a little fun off the top by, by playing that overtime goal when you played for the Lightning. You got a breakaway and scored against the Flyers. What do you remember about that game? Three-on-three was all brand new at the time. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it was, uh, like you said, it was the first first game first game of the season. And um, it, like, and it was the first over, overtime goal. So it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I mean, not... <laughs> Not many times in my career I've been on a breakaway before, but a couple, and you know, luck, fortunately for that one, it went uh, one of the net. Well, you you made a good move and uh, and were able to score on a backhand. And and from watching that YouTube clip, Jason, I was struck by how the t- approach to three on three overtime totally changed over the years. I mean, guys were uh, more aggressive. There was actually a scrum along the boards. It wasn't kind of the slow it down and look for an opening that we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, no, that's very true. It's, it has changed a lot, you know, just to kind of see the, the flow of the play. And, uh, you know, the coaches will come up with different kind of ideas on what they think will work or, or trick the other team. And, you know, usually when something like that happens, um, you know, guys try to be really aggressive, then it's just all out you know, either breakaways or two-on-ones going each another way, and that's when it's obviously really fun for the fans. Right on. All right, well, I wanted to get those memories in there, but obviously you're making news today, the professional tryout contract with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, You're a left-shot defenseman, 33 years of age, 538 NHL games, couple of uh, 33-point seasons uh, under your belt, uh, 30 30 points as well, another year with Tampa Bay. But take me through this summer, 
Jason, uh, I, I mean, I you know, we, we talk to other guys who, who get PTOs or, or are uh, waiting, uh, I guess, long after July 1st to see what's going to happen. T- take us through sort of your uh, mental and emotional journey this summer. Yeah, it's uh, you know, a bit of a different one, absolutely. But, um, you know, every year that I've been in the league, you know, every summer that you, you start to skate with guys, somebody that you're skating with is going through the same thing. So it's, it's you know, you don't really maybe understand it or don't think too much of it at the time, but, you know, it's there. It's kind of right in front of you, and, and it, it happens to everybody uh, for the most part. So that's kind of the attitude I had and going into the summer. And, I mean, you know, for me, I, I, I didn't think at the, at the, I guess, I thought I was going to get a, a PTO somewhere, and so I just, you know, trained like I normally train and was kind of just, you know, hoping for the best. And, you know, luckily for me, fortunately for me, it, it worked out. And, you know, I'm excited to, to join Edmonton. Uh, give me a sense of, for, for you, uh, you know, why the Oilers? Why is this a, an appealing opportunity for you? Well, I think that, um, you know, obviously it's not you're not able to go to every team. Um, but, you know, Edmonton, I think that, you know, they have such a, I mean, you know, despite having, you know, a couple of the best players in the world, you know, they have, um, you know, a lot of a lot of skill up front and on defense, and I think that um, you know, hopefully, my game and my and my role kind of being a little bit more defensive and um, you know, kind of contributing you know around around our goalie and, and making good plays defensively will help, and, and maybe I can um, you know shed some some experience on on some of the other guys. Jason Garrison joining us on Inside Sports, signs a professional tryout deal with the Edmonton Oilers. Jason, last season, you, uh, I mean, you, were, you were claimed by the Vegas Golden Knights in the expansion draft. Uh, Vegas had an, an incredible season uh, going to the Stanley Cup final. You played eight NHL games uh, and wind up spending most of the year with their AHL affiliate, uh, the Chicago Wolves. Just give me a sense of being part of the, the Vegas organization uh, last year and maybe your take on why it was a, a tough roster for you to hang on to at the NHL level. Yeah, I mean, um, I think, you know, sometimes you never really know. Um, you know, my mindset was always, if, you know, you got to work harder and be better. And if that was the case, you know, uh, things will, will work out. So um, you can't really speculate too much, but... Um, you know, it was it was an exciting time last summer. Um, you know, being picked in the expansion draft and and moving to Vegas um, and joining the team and having a group of guys that are kind of we're all in the same position. Um, and you know, at that time in training camp and even before, like I, I realized, I knew that it was going to be a good team. And, and I thought, you know, people obviously thought that Vegas probably wouldn't do too well at the start of the year, but you know, and a lot of the guys' minds, you know, we knew we had a lot of a lot of pieces. Um, good pieces and and good players and good people and um, a lot of hard workers and you know it showed obviously this year. All right, uh, tell me where your game is at, Jason. I know I know you sort of alluded to it, but as you're going to be coming uh, here to the Oilers on on the PTO and and uh, getting into the preseason and all that kind of stuff that goes along with it, tell me where your game is at and some key things you you think you could contribute to the team. Well, yeah, kind of like I said, you know, I think. Um, in all my career, I've been a two-way player, um, you know, obviously focusing on defense and, and, you know, trying to keep the puck out of out of our net, but also contributing offensively um, and just, you know, you know, playing with playing with a lot of 
skilled offensive players, you know, I think those are the times that you want to, you know, you want to get them to puck and support them as much as possible and, you know, support them whether they have the puck or if they make a mistake with the puck. And obviously this team has a ton of offensive talent. So, you know, I think, you know, in my mind, it's, you know, you want to, you want to break the puck out as clean as possible, get it on their stick and, and follow up the play. Um, you know, I think the less, obviously the less time you play in your own end is, is better for everybody on your team. You know, I, I want to ask you about that. Uh, and you broke into the NHL, well, I guess the first season where you, where you played a significant number of games was, was 09-10. You made your debut in, in 08-09. But there's always that talk about the pace of the game, uh, breaking the puck out, uh, you know, transitioning as quickly as possible, which which has always been a part of hockey. It, it seems to me maybe it's a little more underlined now in the coaches' notes going into each game. Even in, in your decade uh, in, in pro hockey, has that has that pace has that emphasis changed and if so how have you seen it i mean i think it i think so um you know i think that you know players nowadays can turn transition really quickly um so i you know i think that you have to as a defenseman like i said you 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 know you want to as soon as it gets kind of brought into the neutral zone you know you want to you want to put it back in and, and kind of catch the other team on their toes if you can um and obviously, on the defensive side, you want to get up the ice and support as much as you can, and, and obviously re, re, uh, attain a gap against the other team. And then, if there is a breakdown, that you're right on it to, to break that transition up from them. So, um, I think it, you know, over the years, it's that's kind of how it's gone. It's it's been it's just been a quick, you know, trying to get the game to be offensive and trying to get it as quick as possible. Yeah, for sure. Well, Jason, I, you know what? Thanks for doing this. I, I know uh, this has all happened uh, kind of quickly today, and you probably have uh, more of these phone calls to, to make uh, throughout the evening. So thanks for making time for us on Inside Sports. I look forward to meeting you in person when you're rolling the town for training. Do you know Do you know when you're getting to town, by the way? Uh, sometime next week, absolutely. Okay, and, and yes, I, I should ask you this too. Uh, you, you said about your summer training. Where do you spend most of your summers? Um, I usually spend my summer between... Uh, Florida and Vancouver. Okay, so. good stuff. All right. Well, yeah. we'll have a parker waiting for you. Sound good? <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, no, sounds good. <laughs> thank you, Jason. All right, thank you. That is Jason Garrison checking in tonight to get us going on Inside Sports. So he signs a professional tryout contract with the Edmonton Oilers. I mentioned he's 33, played eight games with Vegas last season. Four in October, he was put on waivers uh, and then assigned to the Chicago Wolves of the AHL. He was back up with Vegas in late January and early February for four more games. He got one assist in his eight NHL contests. He had 28 points in 58 games in the American Hockey League, originally from White Rock, British Columbia. Columbia, 538 NHL games with Florida, Vancouver, the Lightning, and the Golden Knights, uh, 6-1, about 218 pounds. This is a professional tryout. It's not an actual contract. Uh, I I think he's, he's probably going to be in tough to make the roster, but he does bring some veteran experience. Uh, I know from uh, hearing to some other media, hearing from some other media guys who have covered his career in the past, uh, they speak highly of him uh, as a person and uh, his character. Um, but we'll see if the uh, if the talent level is still there, where he can crack the Oilers roster. They are looking for defense. They do have Yerbeck coming in on an actual contract. Garrison gets a, a PTO, so he's going to have a little more to prove than some of the guys who have actual details. You can chime in at six thirty, six thirty. We'll open up the phone lines a little bit later. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On right now, we'll call a quick timeout and step onto the gridiron with Justin Sorensen from your Edmonton Eskimos. This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, well, great to have Jason Garrison on the show as the Oilers sign him to a professional tryout as they uh, try to uh, plug some holes on defense. We'll talk more about that with Bob Stoffer, who will join us between 6.30 and 7. And, of course, you can text 6.30, Our open line number 780-496-0063. The email, insidesports at 630chad.com. Blue Jays not looking good so far tonight. Bottom of the fourth, they trail Baltimore 5-1. The Eskimos will be back at practice tomorrow on Monday. It's the Labor Day showdown in Calgary. We'll have it for you. 11.30 pregame show. The game will start at 1. And the man snapping the ball to and protecting the quarterback, Mike Riley, joins us now. It's Eskimo center, Justin Sorensen. Justin, thanks for making time for us tonight. How are you doing? Oh, no worries. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing very well. Appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, before we, we dive into some of the heavy and serious football chat, I, I do have to throw this question out to you because I actually yeah. looked at social media today and paid attention. Uh, why were you dressed as Eeyore and lying on a mattress with Chris Sheets from Kissing Country? I don't know. It was a, it was a photo shoot, a video shoot thing he had going for uh, Sleep Country Canada. And uh, when I asked him what we're wearing for it, he said, he said onesies. So I said, all right, let's do it. So, so you, okay, but why do you have an Eeyore onesie specifically? Because uh, every once in a while for a few bachelor parties, we've had to wear onesies. So I had an Eeyore one. Okay. Any any story behind a connection to Eeyore? Or that's like just No, just like Winnie the Pooh. And I decided to wear the Eeyore one this morning because we watched uh, Christopher Robin the other night. We thought, I thought Eeyore was funny in it. All right. Well, fair enough. <laughs> Thanks for ask, answering those, Justin. Now, yeah, now, no now the more difficult questions. <laughs> sure. Uh, look, um, it was that, that was that was a. I mean, you know, we have. I talked to fans. We took calls on Friday. Listened to the post game show. Uh, that was a tough one for a lot of Eskimos fans on on Thursday. Uh, they they were pretty frustrated, especially after the second half. And uh, seeing that game go away. Uh, In in your mind, I'll I'll start generally, in your mind, Justin, what happened? Uh, I mean, we just didn't didn't play well enough in all three phases, to be honest. I mean, our special teams is actually pretty decent in the second half. But on offense, we just didn't get anything going. And on defense, we we had a lead and we gave it up. But, I mean, I think it's more on the offense for – too many two and outs and just not getting enough enough uh, yards going and staying on the field in the second half. Justin, I'm, I'm going to throw this one at you, and, um, you know, I hope you appreciate I'm looking at it from the outside. You're in the middle of it, but that's why i yeah. got to ask you. Because I, I've seen all the games this year, yeah. and there's, there's a couple that have slipped away in the second half, and there's been other games. It seems like you guys have played better when you're behind, is there something going on there with the mentality 
or a killer instinct or, or not turning it on until you're backed into a corner? Like, you see what I'm getting at? Is there, is there something happening there? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to say because I'm only one cog in the wheel, right? But, yeah, no, lately it seems like if we're up in a game, then we kind of take our foot off the pedal. But when we're down, then everybody puts their foot down and plays a lot, plays harder, plays better. And, and that's just something we need to we need to fix and address. I mean, when we're up by that many points in a game, we, we should be able to keep our foot down and score some more points and, and the defense to do a good job of holding them. But lately it seems like when we're up, we just haven't had that killer instinct or that killer mentality, and that's definitely something we need to we need to work on justin Sorensen, eskimo center joining us on inside sports tonight uh something else you guys have been working on uh, your coach has talked about it a lot of the players have talked about it uh is the penalties uh there were eight accepted penalties uh against hamilton um but obviously a couple knocked you guys out of field goal ranger or or cost you a little bit of field position which who knows could have led to points scored or prevented how do you how do you feel the players are addressing penalties and and, and is there progress? Uh, I think that it's it's something that isn't going to happen overnight. And um, I know that two games ago I thought we had progress and and maybe this past game we kind of stayed neutral to where we were before. But I know that it's a big issue, especially amongst the players. And we've all talked about it, and we've all we've all come up with different um, ways of either dealing with it or, 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 pe- or punishments for, for getting a penalty in a game. I know every group kind of has their own thing, and it's definitely something that's being addressed and being worked on within our team. Okay. Looking ahead now, you got Calgary next. It's the home-and-home. Home. Justin, tell me this. When you run out onto the field for Labor Day at McMahon Stadium. What What's it like? Does it feel differently than any other regular season game or, or maybe even feel differently than some playoff games? Yeah, I, I'd say that it kind of feels more like a playoff game because, I mean, when you're playing Calgary, it's an in-state rival, and generally for the last few years they've been in the number one spot. So when, when you're playing them, you always got kind of a little more of a chip on your shoulder and you're, uh, you're definitely going out trying to trying to play a little bit harder and treating it more like a playoff game where it's like a, a kind of a do or die kind of thing. Uh, you know, I'm sure you guys have started watching some tape and, and, and getting some prep in already. We've seen Calgary be a powerhouse for several years. Uh, I mean, even back to 15, both you guys and the Stamps were 14 and four. You beat them in the West final. They, they, they came up short in the last two great cups. When you look at their defense, what has allowed it to be uh, excellent for such a long period of time? Uh, I mean, multiple things. They got great personnel. They run a great scheme, and they're very disciplined. And I mean, when you have those three things together, it's a it's a, a formula for success. Okay. Um, all right. So you guys are back at practice tomorrow. Yep, back tomorrow. Back tomorrow. Uh, Justin, i got to read a text to you. Somebody wrote in, please tell Justin I'm super happy he recovered from his injury. I was uh, at the hospital when he arrived. I was really worried about his condition, but way to go, Justin. Keep up the great play. So there you go. Fan uh, ran into you when you were hurt and was glad to see you're back. Well, it's nice. Thank you. Thank you to them for, for that. Okay. Hey, Justin, thanks for coming on the show. You're always a pleasure to talk to. Uh, you always give us the straight answers, so really appreciate that. And all the best on uh, Monday, and have a great week of practice. No worries. Thank you very much. All right, that is Justin Sorensen checking in tonight for your Edmonton Eskimos. So uh, we dive in with Jason Garrison and Justin Sorensen in the first half hour of the show. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down-home Southern food and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. Justin, 
referenced it in that interview. Well, you know, I said, is is this uh, is something going on here that there isn't a lot of killer instinct, and the team seems to play better when uh, when they're behind? And he said, yes, we we seem to take our foot off the gas a little bit. Or, well, a lot, maybe I would say. But they seem to take their foot off the gas when they get the lead. And, you know, that's been the storyline coming out of that Hamilton game. Okay, you lost on the last play. Uh, Sure, sometimes that'll happen. But it was 24-10 at the half. You score a touchdown in the second half. Heck, you kick a field goal in the second half, hindsight being what it is. But you would have think a a touchdown would have been at least enough to win. And the Eskimos couldn't even manage a single point. I know that a lot of the talk has been, at least from a, the way I look at it, it's it's one thing that the Eskimos have lost some games. It's it's the way they have lost that has been kind of concerning because the, the game was there to put away in BC, they couldn't do it, and the game was there to put away in Hamilton, they couldn't do it. And in in my mind, now I know the other teams trying just as hard, so you you got to respect that. But have the Eskimos had that look of a team that's going to buckle down and really put a game away or, or even step on the other team's throat and start to pile it up? They made some big plays against the second quarter. I mean, let me ask you this. Do, do the Eskimos, maybe especially offensively, do they believe their own hype? Do they get a couple big play touchdowns like Walker and Duke on Thursday and think, oh, yeah, this is us. We're rolling now. Here we go. And they're not taking care of the little things and the details that contribute to the win. I think there might be something to that. We'll uh, talk a little bit more about the Garrison signing, the nurse contract situation with Bob Stoffer after the news. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Yes, got it bad, got it bad, got it bad. I'm hot for teacher. All right. All right, well, we dove right into the first half hour. Jason Garrison joined us. He's on a PTO with the Edmonton Oilers coming to town next week. Training camp coming up mid-September. He has had uh, some decent offensive seasons in the NHL, but he said he'd be looking to help uh, protect the Oilers' net and transition the puck. That's what he thinks he can bring to the team. Uh, We will see. Obviously, the Oilers signed Jakob Yerbeck last week, who uh, gets a one-year contract. Uh, he's a left-shot defenseman as well. Played last season for Montreal and Washington. And Justin Sorensen on the show, getting ready for Calgary on Labor Day. He's the Eskimos' center, and he said the Calgary defense, I asked him why they've been so good for so long. He said they have the scheme, they have the personnel, and they have the discipline, and therefore they are hard to beat. Uh, Eskimos in Calgary coming up on Monday. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chad. Bob Stoffer hosts Oilers now every day noon to two on this very station. Hey Bob, good to have you back on the show, buddy. Hi Reed, how are you? I, I'm doing quite well. How was your break? It was okay. Yep, it was alright. I like to work, Reed. Well, I know you do, but hopefully you, you decompressed a little bit to use a term you oh. like to use. I'm sure there was about a six or seven minute span that I decompressed. <laughs> that's that's nice. Just took a took a bit of a deep breath. That's that's good. I, I know my I know my wife and kids were very happy that I went back to work yesterday. So oh my goodness! Okay, they well, were happy to get me out of the house. Well, we'll we'll save that for the family matters show we have on the weekend. But <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> in all seriousness, good good to have you back on the show. We're we're rolling towards the NHL season, and we're we're rolling towards uh, the meat of the CFL schedule. I'll get I'll get a couple Eskimos thoughts for you at the interview end of the interview here. But Jason Garrison is coming to town. Obviously, he uh, you know had had a peak uh, four or five years ago with a couple of thirty three point seasons. He was not really able to crack a what turned out to be a very good Vegas team last year. Only played eight games in the NHL. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it's interesting on this one, right? Because I have the Oilers at forty-seven contracts. If you include Evan Bouchard to start the year in the NHL, uh, I'm operating under the presumption that uh, Dmitry Samarukov, along with Kirill Maximov and Osap uh, Safin, will all be returned to juniors so their contracts will slide that'll drop the Oilers to 47 and I think that you know Bouchard's going to get a long look here um there's a benefit to having guys coming in on PTO because you have to have a certain amount of players for every minor or every preseason game uh I've got to have an X amount of NHL experience so he can uh, you know Garrison can help on that front I mean I would suggest to you that I you know I kind of think Upshaw's got a better chance coming in on a PTO than Garrison. But the fact that they're only at 47, um, and that's including Bouchard, so you can make it, you know, I don't think Bouchard's going to finish the year in Edmonton, but I can see him getting a look-see here. Uh, you can technically extend PTOs, and that might just buy them a little bit of time here. So it's some coverage for preseason in case there's injuries. And, Reed, they have three defensemen, it should be mentioned, on NHL deals. Uh, and at least two for sure that we know they're not going to have access to to start the year. And one is Joel Person, who's gonna, he's over in the Swedish Elite League and he's on loan. Uh, he's a right shot defenseman with some offensive ability. And then the other is Sekra. And then the wild card is Ryan Mantha, who had that unique, um, I don't even know how to describe it, eye slash blood clot issue last year. And I'm not sure if he's going to be able to play or not moving forward. So. Uh, it totally made sense to bring a guy in on a PTO, and from Garrison's perspective, I think he's looking at the Oilers. And there, I know I heard the interview that he did with you, Reed, and I know he talked about you know being defensively reliable and transitioning the puck. But at the end of the day, he can still shoot it, and so you never know, right? He might get a look see at some stage as a, an opportunity on the power play in preseason. Uh, there's no split squad games, which is a difference from past years, so. I guess time will tell, and we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's no risk in signing him, and, and you're right. Why not throw him on the power play in a preseason game or two and just see how he operates with, you know, some of the brains and talent that the Oilers have on the power play, and, and you know, the, the top three guys th- that I'm talking about. Uh, I, I mean, I, I would think for him... The, you know, probably skating would be a, an issue here. I, I oh, know, yeah. I, I know you tweeted what Rocky Thompson told you, and a couple media guys from other markets he played in reached out and said, you know, great guy, absolutely a great guy, but but simply does he have the full package to stick on an NHL roster at this point? Well, I mean, there's always reason why guys like. I mean, it's like with Jarabek, right? Like I uh, spoke to people in in Washington and in Montreal, and they both thought he could play as a third pairing. Uh, defenseman that he could transition the puck, uh, but you know skating's an issue with him too. He's, I mean, he doesn't skate like Jay Bowmeister in his prime. So, you know, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see here. I mean, I, you know, what the player takes a look at the PTO opportunity too. Certainly, that weighed in Scotty Upshaw's decision. 
and I'm sure it has in Garrison's decision as well. And we'll just kind of uh, go from there. I mean, I'm going to be intrigued to see what Garrison can do here, but it does give him at least, you know, and I would I would do this every year. I would have at least one forward in on a PTO and one defenseman in on a PTO every year just as a backup in case there are injuries in training camp. And I know you're going to ask me the inevitable question about Darnell Nurse as well. Well, yes, I am. And Nurse uh, spoke yesterday. I'm just going to quickly uh, put you on hold here, Bob. Here's one of the uh, clips from Nurse at the BioSteel camp yesterday uh, asking about, uh, he was asked, you know, hey, why is it taking so long here to get signed? No matter how, how long it takes or, um, you know, what, what goes down, I'm always ready to go. And then that's, uh, that's my main focus on the puck drops that, uh, that'll be there. But, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's, a funny, uh, it's a funny process. It's very educational. I'm learning a lot uh, going through this whole contract. It, it, takes, it takes time. Um, and uh, I have a lot of faith I'll be there at camp. Okay, well, I think he will be at camp. I'm sure Oilers fans are saying, hey, Darnell, we don't care what you learn about contract negotiations. We care about you continuing to learn on the ice. But I mean, you mentioned foot speed with, with, foot speed with Yerbeck and Garrison. Nurse is clearly the Oilers' best skater on defense. If he, if he ever puts together uh, more of an offensive game from the blue line down once he rumbles yeah. into the offensive zone, th- then who knows what the limit for, for him is. you got to think his leverage increased quite a bit when uh, – uh, when Sekra went down, but if Sekra isn't, you know, without without the LTIR, there's only so much Nurse can make. You have $4 million in cap space, and I assume Upshaw's going to make the team. Now, maybe Aberg gets buried in the minors, but, you know, there's there's not a lot there for, for, Merce, for Nurse to make much over $3 million. Right. He's going to get a, like, I will be stunned if we're looking at a term like longer than two years, Reed. Yes. Like, he, to me... He's going to have to accept, and I, if if I was managing the team, and look, I get it, I work for the Oilers Entertainment Group, this is going to sound like, well, you know, you're floating the company line, but put yourself in a manager's shoes here. Uh, I, I, I would take the bet. Like, okay, let's go ahead and we'll, we'll just bridge this guy for two years, because like you just said, I'm not convinced he's shown elite offensive instincts to the point that he's ever going to put up 45 or 50 points. So people will say... Wait a sec here. You guys signed uh, Clefbaum to a seven-year extension at $4.25 million. You traded for Larson and gave up a guy that turned out to be the MVP who's on a deal of 4.2 times six years. I, I think you could probably prorate Nurse's numbers in a couple of years from now, and he might make four and a half to $4.75 million. But he, to me, is not going to be a guy, Reed. That is, you know, unless he's got a dimension to his game that he hasn't shown to date, I just don't see him being a guy that's going to put up 45 to 55 points. Now, if he does that, he's going to hit the home run. He's going to get $6 million a year, right, because of the other dimensions that he has. And that's in his next contract. But I would bridge him. I think the smart play is to bridge him. I know the agent doesn't want to hear that. And who's to say what kind of options and flexibility they'll have in two years from now? You know, Sacro will be in the last year of his deal at that stage. So will Russell. And Russell's actual real dollar value is quite insignificant. And, oh, by the way, we might have ourselves a a 32nd team in the NHL. In fact, we will. Seattle will be in the league that year. So let's see see how it plays out. But I have no concerns, Reed. Darnell's going to be here for the opening game of the regular season. And I believe he'll be signed on a two-year term somewhere between 3 to 3.25. Bob, my my biggest concern on defense... Well, okay, the second injury change. My, my biggest concern on defense, really, 
is is how is how Clefbaum's going to play off the shoulder injury. He didn't have a great season on the power play. I didn't think he moved the puck very well. And, and to me, that's that's hanging over the team as much as the Sekera hole. Now, now Sekera last year was barely half of, of what he was the previous year. So maybe there is a replacement who can at least give what, what Sekera gave last year. But, uh, you know, I think Larson's going to bounce back. I think Benning and, and Russell, uh, you know, you, you know what they're going to get. Sure, maybe they're more depth guys, but I, I think you know what you're going to get from those guys. Uh, and Nurse, we just talked about. So I, I still sit here thinking, like, is Clefbaum, is, is he going to get back to the heights he achieved a couple of years ago because of the injury and because he's going to have to continue to think his way around the ice a little more than maybe he did in the past? Uh, that's fair. I, you know, I kind of look at it a little bit differently. I mean, I do have a concern about the offensive capability of this group on the back end. I actually am fairly comfortable in believing that Secre- or that uh, uh, Oscar can get back to playing 22 minutes a game, and I think he showed signs before he went out that he was you know, playing a little bit better. Uh, I, I think he's going to be okay. I think he's going to be a, like a 12-goal, 35-point guy in that range. Uh, in Benning's case, I think the change in the coach is going to help Matt Benning out. And uh, and I think he needs some positive reinforcement if he ends up in, the second, in a power play to start the year. Given the makeup of the defense right now, that is a distinct possibility. Um, if Let's put it this way. If Bouchard is not at all ready for prime time, and if it's clear they're lacking something in the transition in the power play because of the importance of October, and I asked Bob Nicholson this at yesterday on the show, like, does Peter Shirelli make a move late September? And maybe that is when he makes the move. We've discussed this before, Reed. When does Justin Falk's, when do the payments start on Justin Falk's $6 million real dollar value on his contract? When does that start? Well, it starts the first week of October. Mm-hmm. So maybe there comes a, a point there with, with Carolina who are clearly a self-imposed team budget squad, maybe they get more interested in making a move at that stage. Uh, you know? So, I, I, you know, it's, I mean, I think there's going to be other teams in on Falk. I think Detroit would look at him. I think that uh, Toronto would be in on him as well. So I, I, the, the biggest concern for me actually isn't cleft bomb. It's going to be the overall ability of the D to transition the puck up the, up the ice. That is a concern for me. Now, that said... They made the playoffs two years ago with five of these six guys. And so they transitioned maybe, the puck better. I mean, Bob, we, we talked about it a lot as the season went on. Rob and I answered a lot of questions about it after. The, the D-to-D passes and the, the dawdling with the puck. And, and, I mean, to me, that indicated something was going on between the years or, or maybe instructions from a, a coach or, or coaches. And you mentioned the, the, the change uh, you know, for the, that the coaching change could help some of the defensemen. So, yeah, I mean, I hope that all. Well, you you brought in an assistant coach, Reed, that has uh, a record of number one developing young defensemen, and number two of having excellent penalty killing. And so that's two areas that are important to the Oilers. I mean, you know, for five of the last six years, Trent Yanni's had a top five PK in the NHL between San Jose and Anaheim. That's critical for success for Edmonton. But I also think, even though he's direct. I believe he positively reinforces, and that's helped bring along some guys. Like I think Benning's gonna, I, I think Benning's gonna be much better uh-huh. under uh, Trent Yanni. 
Yeah, to- totally agree. And I think and I think we're going to see Adam Larson return to the form he had all of the previous season. Though obviously injuries and and unfortunately his father's passing derailed him last year. But he was I I, I don't know if I've ever said this on air, Bob, but I've said it to you off air. The last twenty games of of last season, and I realized the Oilers were out of it by then. I thought Larson was the second best Oiler after McDavid, who went on a tear yeah. to to win the scoring title. But that's how good I thought he played. Oh, he played. No, he was he was very good down the stretch. Okay, uh, I know I'm taking up a lot of your time here, but I, I I've missed you, Bob. I haven't talked to you for so long. Uh, well, I, I I won't do your stats projections tonight because we're, we'll do have to do our full predictions probably numerous times before October fourth. Yeah. Uh, I, I had Justin Sorensen on the show. You know. I think some of what happened to the Oilers last season was between the ears. And when you're a football team that gets outscored 21-3 in the second half of a loss in Vancouver and 15-0 in the second half of a loss in Hamilton, you just need a few points to put a game away. I think there's I think there's a little bit between the ears there. I, I wonder if especially on offense... Maybe the Eskimos think they're a little better than they are, and they forget to buckle down and put put games away. Uh, you know, six and four is not a bad record, but it's how a couple of the losses uh, that have happened, I think, concern me and, and a lot of the callers I've heard from. Well, how about the loss in Toronto coming off the injury of Ricky Ray for the Argos? Like that's the, you know that's the game I thought they'd win. Um, BC, you know that that was theirs to go get, and I you know I heard you on after the game on. Thursday because I was at a downtown establishment where uh, retired players go to have fun, and uh, we were just shaking our play, just shaking our heads watching it. Right, like it was kind of predictable. Uh, Read this team, in my opinion, needed to be eight and two to, to have a chance to give the Stamps a run. Right now, I'm concerned that the Eskimos are going to be in a position where they're going to have to come through the East. Like I, I'm serious, I could see them finishing in fourth in the uh, in the West. Uh, you know, Saskatchewan's defense has playmakers. The Eskimos have had some injuries, some ratio changes have had to result. But they are not, I mean, they got they got playmakers on offense. I don't think C.J. Gable is the running back he was two or three years ago when he came in the league. But clearly they got the best player in the league in Mike Riley. They got two playmakers at receiver, maybe a third that should be playing more in Mitchell. Mm-hmm. I don't think they're, no disrespect to Justin Sorensen because I'm not talking about him. But I don't think their O line's as good as it was last year. They have no return game. They got a real good kicker, uh, who's a consistent, you know, money like he makes he makes the field goals. So I'd see their special teams are split because they've got, I think they've got good kicking. I don't think they've got great coverage, and I don't think they've got a good return game. And then their defense, to me, just it, it lacks the personnel. They don't make plays, so, Bob. They don't make plays. Well, they lack they lack the personnel, right? They got no playmakers. So at the end of the day, to me, they're a very average team. Uh, they're six and four right now. They got eight games left. How many times do they play the Stamps? Twice or three times? They play the Stamps twice. They play Ottawa twice. They play the Bombers, Saskatchewan, and uh, BC once each. Oh, sorry. They play. Okay. Uh, they play the Bombers twice. Bombers come to Edmonton twice still. Well, uh, right now I'd say they'd be lucky to split against both Ottawa and Winnipeg, based on what I've seen from those two teams. Uh, I don't see them winning either of the games against Calgary. No, they'll be. Then, yeah. So I, I could see them going three and five in the final eight games of the year, and that would get them to nine and nine, and that would be a disappointment in a Grey Cup year that you're hosting. And I think they need, you know, and and I think they've squandered some early opportunities. So maybe they maybe they can elevate their game, 
Uh, but based on what you're saying on the defense, I agree. I don't see they don't create enough turnovers. There's not enough big plays coming there, and there's no big plays in the return game as well. So you become really reliant on offense to score. And in their Grey Cup year, what was the one thing their defense could do? To completely change games around for them. So they're they're up against They're going to be in tough because Calgary is a well-run organization. And in spite of how prolific Riley's been this year, uh, they are going to be tough to beat in either of those two games. Bob, you know who you have coming up tomorrow? I do. Uh, we are going to replay a portion of Reed Wilkins' interview with Jason Garrison. Uh-oh. Uh, Stu, Stu McDonald, the chief revenue officer from the Emmett Oilers, is going to be in to take uh, calls and queries on Rogers Place, on how the Oilers can service their clients better, that sort of thing. And, uh, and then uh, we will hook up with the head coach of the uh, Evans Oil Kings, Brad Lauer. Oh, you'll have fun talking to him. Hey, Bob, thanks for being so generous with your time. I will probably see you tomorrow, so take care. Reed, anytime you're stuck, call me. <laughs> there we go. That's Bob Stoffer, who is, who is more than just filler on Inside Sports. I can assure you that. It's 6.50. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Two, you can text 630-630. Got a good one I want to get to. Blue Jays now down 7-3 in Baltimore, bottom of the fifth. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. So the Oilers signed 33-year-old left shot defenseman Jason Garrison to a professional tryout contract. Brandon Davidson, twice an Edmonton Oiler in his past, signs a PTO with the Chicago Blackhawks. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. After the 7 o'clock news, we will bring our old buddy Adam Scorgy onto the airwaves. He's the producer of of the upcoming documentary, Making Coco, about Edmonton Oilers legend Grant Fuhr. Adam, of course, behind the documentary, uh, outstanding documentary, Ice Guardians. He's continuing to work very hard, churning out great sports stories, great human stories. So he's going to uh, give us a little teaser about Making Coco and other projects coming up between 7 and 7.30. You can text 630-630. This texter says, You nailed it. Read the whole issue with the Oilers and the slow play was their refusal to move the puck up ice. It is now being taught at all levels to get the puck up ice as fast as possible. In preseason, they should say you can only do one D-to-D pass. Lucic and Maroon looked slow because they constantly had to be stationary on the boards. Well, I I think there's something to that. And I I, I really do think, and and here's where I come down on the Oilers, and I know we're sitting here late of August, but late in August, but people are always asking me, how are they going to do? Are they going to do any better? I know some of you think they're going to be just like last year. Some of you think they're going to be better. uh, And, uh, you know, some of you think they're going to be a lot better. I think they will be better. I, I don't think the Oilers will win the Stanley Cup. I don't think they will contend for the Stanley Cup. But I do think they can make the playoffs. Because I think Talbot's going to be better. I think the special teams will be better than abysmal, which they were combined last year. The power play was last. 
and the uh, home ice penalty kill was historically bad. That re- really, the road penalty kill was the only thing that worked. So I think that'll shave off some goals against and help with some goals for. And I do think it'll be to the extent uh, that they can be a, a mid-90s points team. And And the way I come up with that is I, I think, you know, there's six months in the season. I think they can win one more game per month. As a matter of fact, I think they might be able to win one more game per 10-game segment. That gets them up to 44 wins, and you factor in probably 8 to 10 shootout and overtime losses, uh, and you get up, you know, in the 93 to 96 range. And I think in the Pacific this year, that might even get you third because I don't think they'll be a runaway team in the Pacific. That, that, that's how I figure that. Uh, I mean, hey, you're all going to see it your own way, uh, and, and that's cool. But uh, but I... I I don't think that, you know, if, if you look at it that way, improving by a win or month, by, by a win a month, it, it doesn't seem as overwhelming. I mean, it's like losing 50 pounds uh, seems overwhelming. You know, losing a pound a week if you, for a year it all of a sudden doesn't seem so bad. That's kind of how I look at it with the Oilers. Uh, Jeremy from Glendon, I will get to your text in the next half hour, and Adam Scorgie's coming up. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.